Hello and welcome to Charm City Checkup, a podcast about social justice issues in the city of Baltimore for pediatric residents, made by a pediatric resident. My name is Caroline Knoop and I'm your host. Currently, I am a second year pediatric resident in the city of Baltimore. I'm learning about community resources, social justice issues, and social determinants of health that face our patients and their families. Join me as I learn about all things social justice in the city of Baltimore. On today's episode, we will be talking about adolescent and young adult health. Treating teens in a primary care setting comes with a unique set of challenges. Teenagers are in a specific time in their lives when encouraging independence and autonomy of their own health can have a huge impact. Going into residency and even still today, I get the butterflies of nerves whenever I see an adolescent patient on my schedule. Will I be able to connect with them? Will they trust me enough to be open and honest? How can I make a positive impact in their life during the short visit? Clearly, I have my own insecurities about treating adolescents, so I was particularly interested in learning about specific resources that we have in Baltimore for our teenage patients. This search, of course, led me to Dr. Matthew Grant. I talked to him about his experience treating adolescents and young adults of Baltimore and the unique resources that we have through the Adolescent and Young Adult Center at the University of Maryland and the Star Trek Clinic. The Star Trek Clinic is an outpatient center within the Adolescent and Young Adult Center that provides comprehensive multidisciplinary care to adolescents and young adults with or at risk of acquiring HIV and other STIs. Star Trek in particular aims to give youth-centered reproductive health care and education and prevention. They are also focused on social justice, and in particular, they understand that HIV is a racial justice issue impacted by social determinants of health. The Star Trek staff addresses the complex and unique needs of young adults living with or at risk of acquiring HIV in Baltimore. Clinic services include annual physicals, reproductive health appointments, sexual health screening, and HIV and AIDS prevention and treatment. They also have a specialty program called Your Trans Care for transgender people aged 12 to 18. They provide access and management of hormone therapy and puberty blockers, counseling referrals, and support and guidance for families, friends, and partners. The clinic is truly a place where multidisciplinary care is at the forefront, and they have seen great success with this model. Now for some information about HIV in Baltimore. According to the Maryland Health Department, about 770 people over the age of 13 were diagnosed with HIV in the state of Maryland last year. In 2020, Maryland was ranked number 12 in the country for HIV diagnosis rates. 72% of new HIV diagnoses in Maryland were among non-Hispanic Black people, and 12% were non-Hispanic white people. Aid diagnoses rates in 2021 were up to 12 times higher among Black people as compared to other races in the state. Black people in the state of Maryland are also the group with the lowest rate of viral suppression. These numbers make it clear that HIV and race are linked. In terms of youth with HIV, people aged 13 to 24 accounted for about 25% of new HIV diagnoses in Maryland last year. And it is estimated that an additional 33% of youth living with HIV are undiagnosed in the city of Baltimore. All of these facts make it clear that HIV is an ongoing issue that we as pediatricians should be aware of and actively screening in our patients. 
By talking about HIV and other STIs at our visits, we can normalize the, the discussion and work towards getting rid of the stigma that is associated with the diagnosis. Now on to my discussion with Dr. Matthew Grant about how to best approach these topics with adolescents and resources that can greatly help our patients. Dr. Matthew Grant is a pediatrician specializing in adolescent and young adult health. He graduated from the University of Maryland School of Medicine and completed his pediatrics training at the University of Maryland Medical Center, where he also went on to be chief resident. He is currently an assistant program director of the University of Maryland Pediatric Residency Program. He works clinically at the Adolescent and U Young Adult Center at UMMC, including the Star Trek Clinic. He has a particular interest in providing comprehensive medical care to adolescents and young adults with or at risk of acquiring HIV and other STIs, making him the perfect guest to talk about the Star Trek Clinic today. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Matthew Grant. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's just jump right into it. I know I gave a little bit of an intro to you, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to be involved with the Star Trek Clinic? Sure. Um, you know, as you said, I, I went here for medical school and residency. And, you know, um, I think I didn't really know much about our, our the division. I'm a, I'm a part of the Division of Community Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine um, overall, um, which is you know, very similar to just general pediatrics, and except that it has a, a focus in the needs of the community um, with a specific focus on LGBTQ identifying um, adolescents and those who are either living with or affected by HIV in some way. And my first exposure to uh, the work that, th that my, my division does um, and the clinic that I work in does really came during my adolescent rotation as part of our um, general pediatrics residency. Um, and I got to work with um, the physician that was here at the time, um, Doug Watson, who was an, um, he was an infectious disease doctor. And he, uh, you know, I worked with him during his clinic and got to expose to the really cool, you know, adolescent focused visits um, that really put uh, the patient forefront in the care uh, that they were receiving. And it really wrapped around a lot of services, including social work, um, case management, um, you know, nursing and the physician and really showed a really great model of how, you know, you can provide care, you know, to the patient while keeping their, the HIV not the only thing that's, you know, affecting them. And it's not the only thing that is true about them at that moment. Um, and it was something that I really, really appreciated about the clinic and about the model of care that it provided. And I got to, a chance to work with everybody in the clinic at that point and sort of see how they all interacted during their care and see the patients and see how they really, you know, came to identify the clinic as a second home. Um, and I want, and when the opportunity came up to work in this clinic myself, I really jumped at the opportunity and jumped at the chance. Um, and so I, I joined right after my chief year um, and took on a, a role as one of the physicians here um, and working with a couple of the nurse practitioners. And we have a strong multidisciplinary clinic um, and incorporates myself, a nurse practitioner, um, a nurse, a social worker, um, and then a really strong case management team um, that really, I think, is modeled more about our, the patient's needs and that they don't, we don't need a ton of the physicians uh, because I don't drive a lot of our appointments, which is really fun. I get to be part of the team that really drives our, part, our appointments uh, and you know, provides that background care for our patients. Yeah, that's really cool. And it seems like this is the perfect population to have a multidisciplinary approach and 
it can be hard, I think, as a resident to see that really working well. And so I think it's really cool that we're able to see that on our adolescent rotation. I totally agree. You know, I think that the we do this so well in so many different areas in pediatrics. And I I, I want to make sure I say that, you know, I, I think that all of our specialties do a really good job of working in multidisciplinary approaches. But I do truly think that we have taken that to the extreme in some cases and that like, you know, my some of our my case managers really they're the ones that only that really need to see the patients in totality in some of our visits. And I come in and I, you know, do the do the the very you know basic uh, parts of the medical visit just to make sure that they get those medical touches. But I I truly see myself as the the background player for a lot of our care in some cases because they really my patients need case management. They need their their linkage to care uh, specialists. They need the the nursing education far more than they need me coming in and laying my stethoscope on them. Um, and I, I have loved working in that type of environment uh, because I get to learn so much more. Uh, you know, my, my learning didn't end with residency and I love the fact that I get to, I've learned so much from every one of my colleagues that I work with in my clinic now. Yeah, and I think that that just is a testament to when you're taking care of the whole patient that their health improves, right? That you don't have to be the center of every visit is really cool. Absolutely. Um, so I know you clearly love working with all of your colleagues, um, but what has been your experience working with specifically adolescents and young adults? I, you know, it's really funny. When I started residency, I I think that I had carved out that adolescents might be the patient population that I knew I didn't want to work with. <laughs> and, it, you know, I, I had had this dream that I would, I wanted to be a baby doctor. I wanted to like only work with babies. I could have, I could work with, you know, if I could go to a clinic and I could be a complex care doctor who only saw the babies from birth till three, and then I could shuttle them to somebody else, I would be in, you know, it would be my heaven. And as I went through residency, I, you know, I, I actually was able to adapt to loving so many different other specialties. And I, I left residency really thinking I was going to do hematology oncology. And, you know, as this opportunity came up, it actually hit so many of the, like, uh, check marks that I loved about Hemonc, while being able to develop a longitudinal relationship and work with a population that, you know, you might, you call it marginalized, you might, uh, I would say, to work with a population that's often marginalized in traditional healthcare, and which is really close to home for me. And, you know, I think I've had so many experiences in healthcare that I haven't really felt comfortable in. And I wanted to create that clinic or work within a clinic that really put that type of care at the forefront and really made a comfortable and welcoming environment. And it, it just happened to be the adolescent population that I had grown to also really love towards the end of my residency and getting to know patients more deeply as they developed their sense of self became like my favorite types of patients during my um, resident continuity clinic and getting to empower them and have conversations around their sexual health and how they can take on that ownership of their health in a more like uh, true way and not just become reliant on their parent making their appointment, but they could, you know, I was able to start to having conversations at the end of my residency about, you know, let's go out to the front desk and you make the appointment for your next mm -hmm. visit. Even if it's a year from now, even if you're not gonna like keep that appointment, let's find a time that you want to make that appointment for yourself or for a month from now, for your next, you know, your next, or three months from now, if you're next depot or something like that. Um, and what I have continued to love about this job is the opportunities to continue to work with adolescents to find ways that they can feel empowered by their own healthcare in different ways, whether that's 
making their own appointment or asking for their own refills, or in most cases, it's around their sexual health, because a lot of my work is around sexual health in some ways, whether it's because they are affected by HIV and it's through sexual acquisition, or if it's around you know working with people to identify the best contraceptive measure for them, or because they're either coming in because they have chlamydia or gonorrhea and they want to learn how to advocate for themselves in their own healthy relationship, or they want to take PrEP so that they can feel safe moving forward from HIV, or any number of things that they can feel like they are empowered. And I love working with a population that I can teach to feel that way. Um, and it's not that it's not like a light, giant leap from, you know, to, to get that power back or to, to develop that power in some way. Yeah. Adolescence seems like such a specific time in life that everybody can remember. Um, and you're right. It is that just that specific opening that we have with these adolescent patients to help them kind of become adults and, you know, take control of their health and their life. So I think that's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. And I know a lot of residents and even, you know, pediatricians like that have been doing it for a while um, have maybe some qualms or some, you know, nervousness around creating an open and non-judgmental space uh, for these patients. And so what are some ways that you do that when you're talking about sensitive topics such as sexual health? This I think is like one of, is I would say that this is the hardest thing to do in when, when working with any patient as part of you know sexual health. And I, I, I'm far from an expert in this, but I think that I've, as I've worked in this area for more years, I feel more comfortable around it myself. I think that setting the tone and the expectations for yourself and for your patients and setting a comfortable and confidential environment goes a long way. You know, uh, as I talk about this with medical students and with residents, I often say that how you, how comfortable you are in, in the space makes a big difference for your patient. And if you can, you know, go into the space feeling open and feeling comfortable about the topic that you're about to talk about, it goes a really long way of making the patient feel more comfortable. If you're walking in the room and you're feeling tense or uncomfortable yourself, then it is it translate pretty, translates to the patient and makes them less comfortable talking about it because it feels sort of like a taboo subject, and is like they're not they're not um, they're not talking to somebody who might be re like open and receptive to them. Um, and so I think you know just feeling comfortable about the terms that you're using, feeling comfortable about the questions that you're asking, and making them just part of a like a, your everyday visit. You know, it, sexual health doesn't have to be a special visit to a doctor. It should be part of our everyday visits, our everyday encounters with patients and should just should be part of what we counsel patients on as all of their risks and all of their and and you know ensuring that they're they've access to that care at every every turn. Um, I also think that it's part of what we can do in our our physical environment. You know, one of the things that our clinic really strives to do is make sure that we have affirming things on the walls, um, on we wear badges that have our pronouns on them to make sure it's an affirming space. We try to make sure that there's signage that says that, they, that adolescents have access to what our adolescent rights are, you know, that they have access to certain aspects of their care, you know, starting at 14 um, in the state of Maryland, mm -hmm. um, and that they can advocate for themselves so that they feel empowered and so that the, the subject is sort of already out there and that they feel like, okay, well, this is an environment that I can bring this up. 
Um, so it sort of it's it's both the, the provide it's on the provider, but it's also on the physical environment to set that tone. I think. Yeah, for sure. Those are great points, and just creating an environment, you know, even when they just walk through the door, um, where they feel comfortable is obviously super important. Mm-hmm. When residents feel like they have a patient either at clinic um, or that they have encountered on the floor or in the ED, and they're like, this would be a great patient to go to the Star Trek clinic. Is there a way that um, residents can refer these patients to the clinic? And is there any information that they can give, particularly while they're working in the ED? Absolutely. So um, a couple years ago, we built in dot phrases that I think they, they may be be honest, they might be dead now or out of use, but uh, I will now it has reminded me that I should probably check on those. Um, but they can absolutely put my name into the um, AVS um, and it comes up with the information for our clinic. Um, our phone number is really easy. It's great. It's um, it is it's 410-328-TEEN, mm. as in like the age teen. Um, uh, so 8336, which makes it a pretty nice way like for providers to remember what the phone number is. And that goes right to our front desk. We actually don't utilize the access line um, so that patients, it eliminates one extra barrier for to get to our, our front desk or to our schedulers or to get to me um, for a patient. Um, and we find that to be a little bit helpful um, because our, our front desk is amazing. They know exactly what services we can provide. It eliminates the question of like, as my insurance accepted? Um, and while our access line is also phenomenal, Sometimes there's that question of what sort of walk-in services our clinic can provide, and our front desk is fully knowledgeable of those things. That's great. And so it seems like that's the anticipatory guidance that we can give um, to a patient that we want to be seen at that clinic is that that line will give them a lot of the information that they might need. Um, And just to be sure, they do not need a referral to go to the clinic. Is that right? They do not need a referral. So we do a lot of different services. Um, I can provide I provide primary care, so I can adapt, I can accept them for full care, including primary care, um, or I can do just things like contraceptive care or STI treatment or testing. Um, but there's no need for a referral to see me. That's great. And speaking of STI testing, a clinic has something called That Box, um, which is an at-home HIV and STI testing kit um, that is available. Can you tell us more about how that works and any response that you've gotten from patients that have used it? Yeah. So That Box is, I don't want to take credit for That Box and that that is an amazing um, resource that's actually developed through the Star Trek Adolescent Health Program, which is our outreach organization that's um, through the same division. Um, and that is really a product of um, their hard work and community knowledge um, and is phenomenal. It's it's um, a, a delivery of HIV and STI testing, depending on what is um, requested by, the, the, by the, the adolescent. It can be delivered anywhere within Baltimore City. Um, and um, I think and there's specific zip codes that are identified as part of this program. Um, to it could be delivered at your home, your friend's home, at you know wherever is most comfortable, um, and they can facilitate uh, getting those tests done for free. So often, you know, it comes with a couple of different swabs. You can identify what swabs you might want to do based off of your risk, and they walk you through all of those risk identifiers as well. Um, and then it also includes an HIV rapid test for you to do at home. 
Um, included in that is incentives for you to help to respond with your um, test results from the home test kit so that we can link you to any care that's necessary, including PrEP or NPEP, or if you if your test is positive, link you back to a, um, a uh, confirm confirmatory test uh, near you, often in our clinic or um, at a like a clinic that's closer to your home within walking distance if, if possible. All of the swabs that are included in there um, come back to us and then go through Quest uh, for free. Mm. So there's no out-of-pocket cost for any of the patients either. Um, that's great. You know, for patients who are afraid to use their parents' insurance, it's a really great option. Yeah, that's awesome. It just makes everything more accessible, which is it definitely does the goal. Um, recently, you were um, giving a noon lecture um, to the pediatric residents, and you mentioned something about a mobile clinic. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, the our division has a new mobile or has a, a mobile unit that was in development like right before COVID, and so we're really excited. It's in a partnership with the um, Full Children's Hospital. It's going to be sort of expanded out to be partnered with a lot of the other divisions um, and continue going out and doing more multidisciplinary clinics. As in its current state, it's the Star Trek. Uh, outreach group is going out and um, doing a lot of HIV testing and linkage back into care for a lot of folks, um, including uh, recurrent programming at a lot of the local colleges, um, a couple of other standing programming at um, other organizations nearby. Um, but they're all they're able to go out, set up this mobile unit, um, and deliver uh, HIV testing, STI testing in a really like nicely contained and safe way um, that allows patients to like come onto the unit, do their swabs in a like a nice private location, and then drop swabs off right there. Often they'll take a couple of the home kit boxes with them so that people can pick those up if they're not able to stop off at the mobile unit during the testing events or um, if it's not if they don't feel comfortable due to any you know COVID or anything like that going on right now. Um, but our eventual goal is to make this a real standing like mobile clinic where we can do um, HIV uh, treatment and STI treatment out in the community too. Because we really know that one of the major barriers for our patients is actually getting to the clinic. That transportation is a huge barrier. And so if we can get out into the community and deliver the treatment or deliver you know HIV treatment in the community, get their labs, eliminate that barrier of actually getting into our brick and mortar building, we could get a long, go a long way of actually serving the community in a, a way that we've we know that they need that service. I'm hoping that residents uh, become really excited about all of these things, including the mobile clinic. Um, are there opportunities for volunteering with the clinic, whether it be mobile or the brick and mortar place, um, or becoming more involved? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think as we're getting more and more opportunities ourselves to get out with the mobile unit, I think that there'll be definitely more opportunities for us to have residents partnering with us and um, having more opportunities for health education, for testing itself. Um, and we're we're expanding our walk-in services in the clinic itself as well, and hoping that that will be one, integrated more into the adolescent rotation for resident involvement, but also for those who are interested in things like STIs or adolescent healthcare or something to get more experience if they wanted to come back and do a more integrated rotation with us, if they had already you know passed through their intern year and are interested. And so one of the, the current projects for us at the brick and mortar building is working on, you know, expanding out this sort of physical walk-in center that's really been driven fully so far, really just by HIV or HIV and STI testing. 
and will be built out to be HIV STI testing treatment and contraceptive options on a walk-in basis with some expanded hours um, throughout the week. Um, and that'll be, you know, hopefully we're going to get let fully launched in January and sort of build out the hours based off of community feedback. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. Um, thank you for sharing all of your thoughts and what's going on um, over at the clinic. And we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. for listening to this episode of Charm City Checkup, a podcast about social justice issues in the city of Baltimore for pediatric residents, made by a pediatric resident. Please follow us on Instagram at Charm City Checkup, and feel free to reach out with any questions or episode ideas by emailing charmcitycheckup at gmail.com. Please remember that all opinions expressed on the podcast are mine and not necessarily shared by my employer. Bye.